It's Wednesday, June the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Israel bombs Gaza again, and antitrust measures bear their thanks. First, the world in brief. Israel carried out a series of airstrikes in Gaza, its first military action against the Palestinian territory since the ceasefire was struck nearly a month ago. Israel's newly formed government said it was responding to a launch of incendiary balloons across the border by Hamas, which governs Gaza. Hamas, in turn, said its attack was retaliation for an authorised march by far-right Israeli nationalists in East Jerusalem, annexed by Israel in 1967, during which demonstrators chanted, quote, death to Arabs. Trade representatives from America and the EU ended a 17-year dispute over subsidies offered to Boeing and Airbus, respectively. Each plane maker had griped repeatedly to the World Trade Organization that the other unfairly favoured their own aerospace titan. They agreed to a five-year moratorium on punitive tariffs and to clarify what shall count as, quote, acceptable support from their respective governments. Kim Jong-un, North Korea's millennial dictator, told his ruling Workers' Party that, quote, the people's food situation is now getting tense. These are worrying words in an opaque country with a long history of famine. Last year's typhoons were to blame, Mr Kim said, as well as the pandemic, though North Korea is yet to confirm a single case of COVID-19. Lena Khan was sworn in as the chairwoman of America's Federal Trade Commission. The 32-year-old legal scholar is taking on one of the country's most important regulatory roles. Ms Khan's appointment will send shivers down the spines of big tech's biggest firms. Best known for her antitrust work, she has been a tireless advocate of clipping their wings. The EU barred some of the world's largest banks, including Bank of America, Barclays, Citi and JP Morgan, from getting involved in the sale of its next-generation EU bonds, according to the Financial Times. Ten banks were excluded over historic breaches of antitrust rules. The EU's 10-year bonds went on sale on June 14th to part finance the bloc's €800 billion, $970 billion pandemic recovery fund. The EU's top court ruled that, quote, under certain conditions, watchdogs in any member state could take Facebook to court for allegedly violating the bloc's privacy regulations. Hitherto, cross-border complaints have been handled by a single country's data privacy authority, in Facebook's case, Ireland, where it is domiciled. Given the narrowness of the ruling, its implications for tech companies are uncertain. Taiwanese officials reported that China flew 28 military planes into a buffer zone around the island. It is the largest in a series of Chinese incursions into Taiwanese airspace and comes shortly after the leaders of the G7, a group of rich countries, stressed the importance of, quote, peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. And fact of the day. An estimated 1% of America's prison population are innocent of the offences they are serving time for. And now here's today's agenda. Swiss Summit Tree Biden and Putin meet Not since the Cold War has a new American president so distrusted Russia. Joe Biden has been openly wary of Vladimir Putin since he took office, agreeing with an interviewer who called Russia's president a, quote, killer. But it will be a dull affair when the two presidents meet in Geneva later today. A series of candid reprimands surely awaits Mr Putin for his increasingly brazen attempts to impose order in his neighbourhood and disarray elsewhere. Ukraine, cybercrime and the plight of Alexei Navalny, a jailed Russian opposition figure, will feature prominently. 
But Mr Biden's barbs will not be so spiky as to preclude talk of teaming up to manage big problems, from nuclear stockpiles to a warming Arctic. Part of showing the world that American diplomacy is back, the goal of Mr Biden's European excursion, is to move slowly and predictably, avoiding nasty surprises. Like much else in Mr Biden's post-Trump act, boring is reassuring. Patience, patience. The Federal Reserve. America's central bank concludes a two-day monetary policy meeting today. Two big issues loom for the Fed, which opted for ultra-loose monetary policy when the pandemic struck. The first is whether or not it will embrace, quote, tampering, wonk-speak for slowing purchases of certain assets, such as government bonds. Some senior members of the Fed reckon that now is the time. After all, consumer price inflation is fairly high, meaning that some reduction in economic support may be necessary. The majority, however, are likely to view inflation as transitory. The second big question, and the more important one for America's economy, is when Fed officials expect to raise interest rates. It would be seen as a big deal if Fed rate setters brought forward the point at which they expect rates to rise to 2023, as some economists expect. It is impossible to rule out any big surprises, either for markets or the real economy. Beefed up. Inflation in Argentina. Argentina releases its monthly reports on consumer prices today. High inflation is a persistent problem for the country. In April, the year-on-year figure was a staggering 40.3%. Food costs play a significant role in Argentina's inflation, and attempts to reduce them have pushed the government into a bitter battle with the farmers who supply the country's famous bife. Last month, Alberto Fernandez, Argentina's president, slapped a 30-day ban on meat exports. The country is the world's fifth largest exporter of beef, and Mr Fernandez hoped a glut would help freeze domestic prices. His plan temporarily backfired when the cattlemen went on strike, reducing supply and prices rose. They have since levelled off. The government must decide whether to extend the ban. Producers warn that thousands of jobs are at stake if the president does not stop trying to cure the meat market for his own ends. All to fight for. NYC's Democratic mayoral primary. The only time I go to New Jersey is by accident, quipped Scott Stringer during a Democratic mayoral debate last week. It was a dig at Eric Adams, a former policeman leading the field to be the next mayor of New York City, alluding to rumours he lives part-time on the wrong side of the George Washington Bridge. Expect similar jibes at tonight's debate, the last before the primary on June 22nd. Mr Adams' closest rival is Catherine Garcia, a municipal crisis manager. Maya Wiley, a civil rights lawyer endorsed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a progressive congresswoman, is in third place. It is still anyone's race, with 13% undecided. Ranked choice voting is being used for the first time, adding to the uncertainty. Nearly two-thirds of New Yorkers want someone with government experience. That's bad news for Andrew Yang, a former presidential candidate who has never held elected office or even voted in a mayoral election in the city. Once in pole position, he languishes in fourth place. Expression v. Repression Art and Politics Diversity United, a joint German-Russian art exhibition that opened in Berlin last week, 
was intended as a, quote, free exchange of ideas which transcend borders. It was supposed to travel to Moscow and then Paris. But its theme of open and honest dialogue didn't resonate with Vladimir Putin's Russia. In May, Russia blacklisted two German NGOs connected to the project, claiming their activities threatened its, quote, constitutional order and security. In response, the organisers say they are likely to call off the visit to Moscow. Some of the exhibits, such as Yerkaterina Morontseva's picket, which was inspired by an anti-corruption march, not to protest movements. Given the recent uproar generated by Alexei Navalny, Russia's leading opposition figure, they are likely to attract Mr Putin's ire. The irony of an exhibition underlining, quotes, the importance of intercultural dialogue in times of political uncertainties being in effect shut down because of political interference is stark. But the saga is also an advertisement for art's power. Russia fears it. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Adam Smith, who was born on this day in 1723. Hatred and anger are the greatest poison to the happiness of a good mind. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.